Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. The day you married a service member is the day you joined the military. By Anonymous. Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Poly Podcast. This is episode 32. Alright, this is G. This is M. And this is... Hello, if you could all please look at this device, I promise this will be over in a second. (laughs) You did not see an alien. There is no such thing as the persons in black. What you in fact witnessed was the latest upcoming attempt at a new Washington football mascot. They were trying to be gritty. They didn't get, they got the appearance, but didn't quite get the spirit (laughs) of gritty. (laughs) But in all seriousness, this is, my name is Kay. Oh my god. So no, I am not, in fact, Tommy Lee Jones in The Men in Black, but if I was going to be K here, I thought that would be funny. I am actually the K that's some a couple times, I think, been referred to as a beta listener and snarky commentator mm. of episodes. Yeah, you have been very helpful in, uh, in listening to the episodes and catching some of my mistakes before they uh, go out onto the air. Yep, and I, I definitely appreciate that too, Kay. Uh, also, you are just too funny. I did not anticipate any of that, and I'm sorry, I laughed through it all. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I will admit, I, smelled, I, I felt a small amount of trepidation when you said, I have a soundboard. I was like, I've never used a soundboard before. I don't know how this is going to work. Uh, uh, listeners, by soundboard, G means I had a couple windows open in my phone to a clips from Men in Black Actually, the first one. Okay. And a paused YouTube clip of the train locker scene in <laughs> Men in Black 2. I love the Men in Black movies. They are awesome. I don't think I've seen any past the second one. There's been a couple since the second one, right? There's the third one I know for sure. Was there one after that? There was Men in Black International, and they got Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth Right after Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And the writers ruined and did not let them have the fun they could have. That would have made that movie great. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I know like uh, Men in Black 3 is like kind of a time travel one. Yes. Yes. I don't think I've seen it. that. Uh... It's a good one. Instead of Tommy Lee Jones, it's Thanos playing K. <laughs> Josh Brolin. Oh. Again, M does not know any question actor mark, except mark, for mark, Jack mark, Black, mark, the sexiest man alive, according to. Question mark. Yeah. Uh, to to state what might not be in the stinger, Jack Black is a national treasure and, des- <laughs> and deserves more respect than he gets. <laughs> Thank you, Kay. So, <laughs> Kay, the reason we we uh, wanted to have you as our guest, our very first guest, very first guest. I interview. am honored. Yes, we are so excited. To talk about polyamory in the military. 
Yes. Yeah. So that is our topic for today. That is our topic for today. Neither M nor I are in the military. Nope. I have been military adjacent for most of my life. Uh, so I'm familiar. I'd say I have familiarity with the military, but I've not ever been in the military myself. Kay, how do you want to describe your military experience? Because I don't know how you want to describe it. Right. So I am an officer in one of the 54 National Guards that are out there. 54? Yes. D.C., Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Virgin Islands all have National Guards. I think I knew about those last three. Yep. So a thing that's those three... The governors have complete commander-in-chief status, full operational control over their National Guards, like the other states. Yeah. We saw what can happen (laughs) with the the one out of the 53. Yeah. I'm going to stop there. Um, Also, uh, just to get this disclaimer out there, I am happy to talk about my experience being kinky, nerdy, and polyamorous in the military. With a couple of exceptions, I will probably talk about a couple UCMJ, Uniform Code of Military Justice Regulations. In general, these are my experiences, not... In, in no way the opinions, can, the opinions, facts, or anything actually endorsed by the U.S. government, the military, or its affiliates. <laughs> okay, now that we've got the legal disclaimers out of the way... Um... Wait, now you said your military experience, and Kay said his military experience, but you skipped over my military experience. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> em, do you want to regale us with your vast amount of military experience? Yes, okay. I would. I do not have any military experience, and in fact, I'm still confused as to what comprises the military. It has a navy, which is the swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> And submarines. They do submarines, too. I know that. Fun thing. By ship number. Yeah. They have the second. They are the second. The U.S. Navy is the second largest Navy. What's the first? The U.S. Army. <laughs> oh. oh. Well, that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. There's the Army. Those are the normal people. You got the army, you got the navy, you've got the people who fly planes. The Air Force. <laughs> I was gonna We could have asked M to take a guess as yeah, to you what could have let me do and that's alright. And we have a new branch of the military. Space Force. Yes. <laughs> Wait, is that real? Yes. Yes, that oh, is real. It is I don't like that so much. I thought you didn't like military and the the concept of militaries in general. I don't really. And then there's National Guard. So the National Guard is part of both the Army and the Air Force. Okay. It's just... It's a subsection. It's a subsection. So to quickly go over that, within... I'm just going to look at it from the Army perspective. Within the Army of the active duty, they are the full-time people. There is then the reserve component, which is split into two, the reserves and the National Guard. The big thing that the National Guard is there for is they are the ones that can be mobilized within the U.S. There's some exceptions that can happen due to posse comitatus or the discretion of the federal government and the president to, for various reasons, mobilize them. Like, as an example... During the Houston flooding, just because of 
large numbers of the military in Texas, some of the, the active duty got mobilized to help out with that because they were there. Okay. Gotcha. But the whole point of the National Guard is the governors have control over them. They are the commanders-in-chief. If they declare state of emergency, they can say they can call call them up uh, for a variety of things. Snowstorms, hurricanes are big ones. I mean, the ones listeners are going to know about is, we'll call it civil unrest. Ah, uh, yes, civil <laughs> unrest. Uh, that's the official name of other people might want to call might want to call it a uh, more accurate name of protests against police brutality and nationalized racism, but right. And also, governors can ask other states to send people. Like for governors can ask other states to send people. Like I know people from Maryland who were down in New Orleans for Katrina. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of National Guard got called up for Katrina, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. It was, up until very recently, it was the biggest National Guard mobilization. Mm, yeah. Up until very recently. Up until very recently, like... Like, as like in, last month? Oh, it's technically still ongoing. There are still people there. Oh. Well, anyways, no, I, I've said my piece, so. Okay. Uh, there, there is, is th- one... There's one more! Do you want oh, to there's get... one more? Yes! Okay, wait, so I got swimmers... I got normal people, which a subsection of those two is the National Guard. I've got the Air Force people. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a hint. These are people who get a ride from the Navy. I don't think that's going to be helpful. <laughs> no. Um, like, they're swimming and then they have people on their backs? Yes. <laughs> that is actually a very apt description that people more familiar with the military are just going to love. Um, can you give me, like, a letter or... It starts with M. M. It's technically two words. The second word starts with C. Truly, I don't know. The Marine Corps. The Marines. Oh! <laughs> I thought that they were advanced normal people. Uh, no, they are not a part of the army. Okay. <laughs> I, I realize uh, listeners out there cannot see the angry face I was making. They are not a part of the army. Both of them are very sure of the fact that they are not a part of the army. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they are... It's probably the loudest of the military... Uh, let's call it genital measuring competition. Ah, yeah, so they're massive dicks. Yes. <laughs> well, as the army has. <laughs> so, yes, those are the military branches. And occasionally, as we talked about earlier in our pre-show, uh, the Coast Guard, but only during times of war. And there, right. and there is actually one more uniform service, the uh, health service. Oh, yeah. That, like, NIH and people like that fall under. Okay. Gotcha. I have been enlightened and will also probably forget all of this. Yeah. That's fair. As long as you just remember, there are swimmers, normal people, and there are fighty people who work with the swimmers, but are not with the normal people. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) It does, well, yeah, marine means ocean. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But why do I always think Marine Corps are the fighty people? Well, because they're the fighty people that get a ride from... That's it? Yes. Yes. They're misnamed. Well, and also, f- technically, to piss off any uh, devil dogs out there listening, uh, I, will, I feel obligated to point out the largest amphibious assault in U.S. military history. Do you know how many Marines were present there? How many? Zero. <laughs> oh. D-Day. There, it was all, in terms of the U.S. effort, that was all Army. Oh, wow. With some naval gunfire. Interesting. So I'm hearing that the swimmers and the people who take rides from the swimmers are not that important. <laughs> okay. No! If there, if there are any uh, Marine or <laughs> Naval personnel who are listening to this episode, I just want to make it very clear. These are M's opinions. These are not my opinions. And they are aggressively not my opinions. I appreciate all that you do in this public thing where I'm talking to civilians. I will talk shit about you later to your face. No, I don't have a problem with any of this, except that I have a problem with all of it. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yes. But... From a logistical standpoint, the Navy is very important. Right, no, I, yes, and I will reiterate that I think each and every single human being is important. Okay. For sure. The, from what I remember, World War II, the Marine Corps was mostly focused in the Pacific. Correct. So that's why they were not a part of D-Day. I see. But... Getting back to our actual... <laughs> yeah, we actually have a topic. Oh, yeah, we can like cut that. out most of that, by the way. Don't make me sound like an asshole on this <laughs> podcast, all right? I don't know. It was pretty funny. Is it funny or is it rude? It can be both. Okay. Yes, I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> all right, back to the topic. Yes, polyamory in the military. Of course, you are welcome to talk about also kink and nerd stuff in the military, but this is a P topic, yes. P-Day. Not D-Day, P-Day. Ah. So, for P-Day... So, I invited Kay specifically onto this podcast because I feel like you have an interesting view. Uh, we talked about this previously a few years ago, I feel like. We have what I consider to be like an interesting view on polyamory in the military, which is that... Oh, well, why don't you explain it? Well, first off, there is an element that I identify as a polyamorous person, but I put a big asterisk next to it just to cover this part of it quickly up front because... If you are a married person in the military, it is illegal under the Uniform Code of Military Justice for you to have a romantic entanglement with anyone who is not your spouse. Right. Now, really what it is, it's illegal for you to cheat on your spouse. And what they're really going after there is, if you, especially if you are in, in a position of authority where decisions you make are going to affect people's lives, they don't want you, and they are just putting a thing out there in the laws to willingly put yourself in a situation where you can be blackmailed. Right. Now, one could argue that, no, my spouse is okay with this. This is not a blackmailable situation. But the person outranking me who's making the decision can say, well, I think it's wrong, and because I think it's wrong, you are yeah. yourselves. Also, it's like the opposite of the Fae, which is not the space I like to operate in, where I am all for following the letter of the law and violating the hell out of the spirit. <laughs> uh, this is kind of the opposite. And, you know, interesting as it might be to bring 
my spouse, their partners, and everyone involved in to testify on my behalf, a colonel can still just decide no. And beyond that, they can also be covered under a uh, fun part of the UCMJ called Conduct Unbecoming. Right, yeah. Which, uh, not relevant to the topic, but basically it's it's the catch-all of, I don't like what you did. I can't find a specific regulation that says it's wrong. Conduct becoming of an officer. But it's conduct unbecoming, so now you're wrong. Wow. So it's like the trump card. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's rough. Well, I mean, also in the military justice system, there is compulsory self-incrimination. Compulsory self-incrimination? Yes. You don't have a Fifth Amendment right. Like, you can be... T- especially if it's something in uh, that's already documented in an official report... You can be ordered to stand in front of a judge or colonel presiding over your hearing and read out what you did. Wow. Military justice is different than... Civilian justice. Yes. Right. That seems really intense. Uh, uh, More relevant to why I think G wanted to talk is that, yes, my being in the military is a job. It is a job that takes a lot of time has a bunch of aspects of control over my life, up to including on-call, being on-call. It can send me away for extended periods of time, and it's one of the few things out there in today's uh, cishet mononga-normative society that they can say, no, you need to go out on this mission and not be there for the birth of your kid. Mm-hmm. Which is like that every uh, it's just about everything else society bends over backwards for, but also just like the people I know through that that I have bonded with, especially if I have something military related happening to me, most of the time over an actual partner, I'm going to them, so it just all comes together to create where just the language and communication structures available in polyamory, it helps to explain my military commitment and service as another relationship I have. Yeah, I think this was this was specifically like the part I, I was yeah. most interested by when we were talking about But this. I wanted to give the 10-minute explanation rather than the 30-second hot take that I have said a few <laughs> times. I feel like this is actually something that more people should probably try to like conceptualize because I think it would be helpful in their personal life. I mean, we've definitely seen like lots of examples of our media of like people who are just like married to their jobs and it affects their personal life. I think most prominently like in cop procedurals, like you have the stereotype of the cop who's just like, you know, married to the job mm-hmm. and it ruins his personal relationship. And when you said that to me, it sort of caused a lot of things to click in my head. It's like, oh, it is actually helpful to be able to conceptualize, like, this field that I am in is an important part of my life, and we have to, and we should probably talk about it like it's an important part of my life, and that it has another relationship that I have. Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess my first question to you then is, has being, and if you don't want let me, let me just put this on. If there's anything, because we haven't written, written down a list of questions or anything like that, mm-hmm. if there's anything that you don't want to answer, just let me know, and we'll just skip ahead. All right, thank you. Has there been a time where, like, even though you've you've sort of conceptualized the military as, like, another relationship, 
Has there ever been a time when your relationship with the military has negatively affected your other relationships? Well, yes, because, I mean, uh, and actually a, a conversation we had in the Discord is my number one killer of NRE mm-hmm. is a particularly bad drill weekend where I just disappear. And just for our KMPAF, uh, in case you didn't remember or don't know what NRE is, that is new relationship energy. Yes, because there are times, sometimes I know ahead of, I can predict it ahead of time, like I am going to this remote area, or, or there's a couple areas where they actively jam signals, where I'm just not going to be able to talk, I'm, go- I'm leaving for the weekend and I'm not going to be able to talk. And that has, and I, yes, that has obviously caused problems because things happen mm-hmm. or partners want to talk to me and another time this wasn't actually the military this was it was military adjacent when i was a civilian my civilian job was being a contractor in the navy a partner uh decided to sent a important message it was something that would have should have that if i had been next to my phone at the time i would have responded immediately and started dealing with it, but I worked in a skiff. Uh, a, a skiff is—I don't remember what the acronym means—but it's a hardened, fa- it's a secure facility where there the door is a gap of network communication. So you have to leave things like your phone, anything that generates a Bluetooth signal, any all communication devices. Like I even have to leave my car keys out there because they're too digital. Have to be outside. It's basically a secure communications room, so the only communications that can go in or out are hardline secure communications. Gotcha. Yeah, so, and also very often these places are solid walls, so there's no concept of time passing, and I didn't see my phone for like an hour after. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine that's really hard to deal with. Yes, Especially, yeah, I mean, like you were saying, it can really squash NRE if you're just getting to know someone or you're super hyped up about, you know, chatting with someone and then you have this kind of external relationship that, in a way, I mean, to put it in kinky terms, it's kind of like your dom. <laughs> no, that, that, that has been a joke that has been made, that the military is my dom. <laughs> Duolingo is my dom. That's my, my preferred dom, but... You know. Oh, uh, after this, I am sure I will have some, uh, disappointed messages from that owl telling me to practice my Nihongo. Yeah, actually, right currently, uh, says, be careful, you're going to drop out of your whatever spot, you know, I'm on spot 26. Anyways, my point is, military is like a dom to you. Yeah. So this is a very serious relationship, and it trumps the other relationships. There's no relationship anarchy going on here. This is a hierarchical <laughs> relationship where that military is right there on top, got veto power, got everything. Veto power can set my schedule. I mean, hell, I even call people sir or ma'am. Yeah, and that's so... You know, can we go on a little tangent right here? You can cut it out if you want, but... In a lot of these shows, like Star Trek and Orville, you know, everybody gets called Sir because it's kind of like, you know, equalization of these terms. But that can be, I think it's a little bit short-sighted because Sir does have masculine connotations. Oh, I I hate that. Like, uh, it happened quite a bit in uh, season three, I want to say, in The Expanse, where it was on a Martian ship where it was like, you had these badass 
badass women. Um, within the books, there are clearly clearly identified non-binary people that are oh really that are referred <gasps> I to didn't know that. yeah that are they are identified by they them pronouns wow. um if they're in a position of authority they're they're addressed by rank because the authors just didn't come up with a good sure. sounding honorific i mean that's fine yeah but uh, yes sir has a more masculine thing and I think especially in shows, they're trying to say this person is still getting the respect they deserve, but they're kind of also then... Yeah, I, it's, it is a minor thing in inequality between the sexes and genders, but it, it is a thing I don't like either. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, when I first heard it like in Star Trek, I was like, oh, that's so cool. But then when I was reflecting on it, I was like, hmm, no, this doesn't seem like the ideal solution. And it doesn't seem to break forward in the future, you know? But yeah, I was just curious. So like you call people sir and ma'am, obviously. And so this is, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Kay, but I've been very tempted by the military. Not that I would be able to, I have too many health issues to be in the military, but I've been tempted by it because I'm like, it's really kinky. Like for me, I'd be like, wow, that's a little too kinky for me. It's like, uh, instead of the meme that circles around, oh, I would have joined, but I would have punched a drill instructor. It's like, no, I would have joined, but it would have said, give me more, daddy, to a drill instructor. I would have. <laughs> you know, it, the first time, it probably would have frozen, that freeze them in shock, and then... <laughs> I think maybe I would get reprimanded for that, probably. Eventually, but... <laughs> Whatever you were getting, what whatever reason was causing someone to get in your face and yell at you, it would stop. <laughs> so I guess my question, I don't know if you have any other specific questions, but my question now is, how many like other out polyamorous people are there? I've seen, I've met a couple. Um, every one of them have also never been married to just okay. get, a, get around the UCMJ issue, but that presents another thing because... Like, yes, uh, especially to a lot of people, marriage is just a piece of paper the government gives you. The military says you need to present that piece of paper to get your spouse benefits. Wow, so I really didn't know that. And this is just very eye-opening for me. I'm truly, yeah. I'm, I'm a truly ignorant person on this topic. <laughs> but that makes me think back to when, like, gay folks couldn't just openly marry... As much this would have been way harder then for them. Yeah, you could have somebody who was for all intents and purposes, like your husband or your wife in a same-sex in a same-sex uh, relationship, but you couldn't be open about it because you'd probably get discharged. I was gonna say, yeah, the uh, the issue there was would also be that you couldn't be openly gay. You couldn't and, be openly, oh, yeah. openly gay and serve it. Right. But even after. I think Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. There was still a time before... Before gay marriage was... Gay marriage was legalized. It was like two or three years, because it was Obama's first term, but late in the first term. Yes. It was like 2011, I want to say. That sounds about right. Because I remember we got the uh, briefings about it while I was still in ROTC. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there would have been a time period where you could be out, but you could not have your spouse get spouse benefits because you couldn't get married right i think there was a way around it oh well because there were states that were recognizing it so as long as if you could get you could get a marriage license and that's just what they wanted i see uh. so as long as you can get that piece of paper then. yeah i see and i don't know yeah and 
I mean, that that's a thing that you can also do when you're on active duty in the military, is you can declare any state as your state of residence. You can set up a P.O. box. I know people who deliberately did that in Hawaii because Hawaii does not transfer points on your license. <laughs> wow. All right. I don't know. Like, these people were just really bad drivers, I guess. But Hawaii, the rest of the 49 states cannot put points on a Hawaiian license. Wow. You know, I know about this because my dad has a Hawaiian <laughs> driver's license. That does not surprise me. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Didn't know all this. So, because spouses are treated kind of, like, specially... This also then reinforces the hierarchy or the primariness of a marriage, right? Yes. Right. So how does that, like for you being polyamorous? I mean, I'm not married. I've not, it's, it's just a thing that would have to be discussed if I am ever seriously involved with two or more people long enough. I see. Which, except what we... We could do another whole series of episodes that is the disasters of my love life. <laughs> do you think, because I know some states have been debating allowing multiple marriages, although mm. it's not come about yet, but there are states that are talking about it. Now, if that happens, could, do you think the military would be open to like, here's two spouses? <laughs> they could. Honestly, I think it's going to be like like what's going on with marijuana right now, where until the federal government does it. It's still a no-no. Yeah. It, right. Just because also it... And I mean, there's an element of, that I am somewhat sympathetic to where it takes a lot to change a regulation. Yeah, and also like you... To a certain extent, I feel like with with gay marriage, it's like relatively easy to be like, all right, you've got a marriage license. It's still between two people. Like, there's some details that have changed, but it is relatively the same thing. Trying to introduce polyamorous marriages, that's like, it's categorically different. <laughs> I, I mean, I think what could happen, what would, what would be more likely is you have to designate a primary beneficiary. Right. And, I, I mean, just also make it easier on the poor GS10 that has to process all this. Yeah. Then if something happens and someone with UCMJ authority starts sniffing around, you can just present a sworn statement signed by all parties of like, no, we all know about this. We're all okay with this. Please move along. You've got bigger things to worry about. Yeah. I think in my ideal conception, marriage as a marriage as an institution would, kind of, would just kind of go away for me personally. And then people can just say, oh, this is my domestic partner or whatever, and you can designate any amount of domestic partners. I don't know. <sighs> well, I mean, I will say the UCMJ has updated in the past couple of years to make sure domestic partners are protected in terms of handling if the, a soldier is committing spousal or domestic partner abuse. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's moving ahead. So maybe... Maybe there is a way to get domestic partners recognized, and I don't know about it because I haven't looked. Yeah. Like, I, I get busy enough just trying to do my job, and mm -hmm. and uh, this whole year, this past year, was really complicated in terms of just taking care of my benefits and various things because of being on and off various duties for COVID. Yeah. So I guess 
There, I just a question just occurred to me because previously we I forget which episode it was, but previously we talked about the concept of like a work spouse. Yes. Have you have you ever had like a work spouse or? Yes, and I mean especially when I like it's happened a few times. When I was stationed in Missouri, people familiar with the Army will know where I was lost during that time. <laughs> I had one. I've had a couple in... I've had a couple fellow officers I've been really close to. I... It's different being reserve component in National Guard, just because I don't see these people every day. Yeah. But there are definitely people I'm closer to. Ironically, I, I have a type when it comes to work spouses... Oh, do tell. Similar, similar to our uh, another friend we have named Kay. Mm-hmm. I have a same name. I seem to be attracted to. Really? Uh, it's the uh, it's a last name M. Okay. I'm not going to go further to yeah. identify these people, but of like the th- I I would say of the like three that I've had, two were okay M's, and one was a close. Close name to it. Did witness a rather funny story about war spouses happening on a de- on deployments. Mm-hmm. Where unit I knew was coming home. And these two soldiers walked up to this one soldier's spouse. The work spouse just turned to him and said, I am dumping you. He is your problem now. Right to his wife. Wow. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And I mean it was it yeah. was it was all sarcasm and joking, but it was funny. <laughs> uh yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh so sorry, did you say it? Never mind. No, nope, um, didn't say anything. Uh you're hallucinating. No. You are tapping into the morphogenetic field and you are actually receiving the thoughts that I'm sending to you. That's very cool. Gee, I didn't know you could do that. Very proud. I 10 out of 10. Don't think I did that. <laughs> That's exactly what Unless you, did. you are going to tell me the thought that you had that I received. I'm sending it right now. I'm not getting it. <laughs> well, it's because you're concentrating too hard. Okay. You need to work on your connection. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, I asked my, like, primary questions. I think this topic is very fascinating, but I don't have anything that's, like, sparking right now. Well, I guess my next question would be, so we've talked a lot about, like, some of the the downsides. Mm-hmm. Do you, and I think this is basically what we've only talked about in the past, but do you see, like, any upside to to sort of being in the military and also having relationships? Well, I mean, uh, well, first off, the, in terms of physical things, if you are attracted to people who are... Uh, who work out a decent amount, the army says, I need to work out, it's part of my job. If, if you are attracted to six-pack abs, uh, ten months out of the year, I usually have them or can flex to having them. Nice. <laughs> uh, so you get that nice forced exercise benefit. Yes. Uh, and I mean, there's... Also, you know, in this economy, uh, a pension after you're 60 is not something to be thrown away lightly. Yes. That's very true. But in terms of something that's more the spirit of it, I think, well, first off, there's there's a, th- there's a thing that I personally think it's healthy in a relationship for you to, aside from having things you do with each other and 
activities you share, it's healthy to have your own interests. Yes. And, I mean, that does kind of... Like, I have that one. (laughs) And it gives time to pursue... For a partner to pursue things that... It creates purposeful space. Yes. So that way you both have a break. And I can imagine... I don't have a partner who's in the military. But if I did, I could imagine that... Because I knew they're going away because they're in the military, or they have this thing, it, I wouldn't have to wonder, like, oh, why aren't they spending time with me? Did I do something wrong? It might lessen my anxiety a little bit as a partner. So I'd be like, oh, that's just what they have to do, because that's what that's part of their life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's yeah. just me speculating. I mean, and also if, in general, I think it can help, because it forces you to have some of that those communication conversations. People who probably otherwise wouldn't just maybe even because they were not raised in a society that encourages such things. Yeah. It, it puts you, like, it creates a necessity, so if it's going to work between you and other partners, you have to learn, you have to learn to effectively communicate when there's some barrier between you two. And it can help, then that can help in other aspects of your life, like, okay, you don't have physical space, but you're angry at each other that's mm-hmm. that's a thing that can be a barrier to communication and you've already had that one conversation so you can it makes it theoretically it makes it easier yeah i imagine also like as a as an officer like you get like conflict like you get classes like in communication and conflict mediation and stuff like that yes and i think having yeah like you're building your toolkit you have some self-discipline that you have to obviously accumulate and you have the communication piece and I think like both of those things are good for anybody to acquire it's it's definitely a bonus when it's your job that's forcing you to acquire those skills (laughs) it's like I gotta do this anyway might as well pick up the perks (laughs) so I guess my next question then is so we've talked a lot about how like the military affects your life has there uh, especially like your polyamorous life I myself personally have found that a lot of the communication skills that I've picked up in polyamory have helped me in my work life. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I do a much better job of understanding different people's communication styles and trying to find a common language of communication. Yes. Have you... Snaps. Al- I want to give snaps to that. Sorry. <laughs> have you also felt the same way that, like stuff that you've learned in polyamory has helped you in your military life? I mean, like the stuff you said of figuring out a common ground of communication to especially, especially because it's especially hard, like this is not a polyamory situation Mm -hmm. of you have to learn how to communicate with and work with people you just don't like. (laughs) And there is no getting around it. Like you can hate everyone you work with in, like, an office job, you can still do your office job generally. Yeah. Learning how... I mean, yeah, just finding some common ground with people, that that can help. Learning, especially learning um, that in terms of military life, like, when things are going on at home, it's distracting. They're mm-hmm. not... People might not necessarily be doing what they are uh, supposed to be doing or but they might be throwing up little signs that, like I, that could be picked up on that you can learn um, and you and you can identify those and work with them okay 
All right. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that because, like I said before, I have found that the communication skills I've picked up while navigating and learning about polyamory have helped me a lot in... In work. In work. Yeah, I, I'm kind of reflecting on that for myself. And I, so far, I think really it's been the other way around for me, mostly. Okay. So I find more that, like, the more I interact with people in my discipline and get to know different viewpoints, the more that that helps me to reframe things in my relationships. Okay. But that is really cool that both can influence each other. Yeah. Both ways. I think that's about all the questions that I had coming into this interview. Em, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? No, I think this was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking to you, Kay. It's a fascinating topic. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there some of our audience folks might relate, either because they themselves might be in the military, or um, something that I was thinking about is, like, even if they themselves are not in the military, they might have a partner who is, or they might have grown up with a parent or a caregiver who was in the military. So I'm sure this is relatable to a lot of people. Yeah, or um, G's housemate was talking about how it's also doctors face this a lot, especially during their medical school and especially residency. Like, I, from other podcasts, I've heard what residency is like, and I, no, that scares me. Absolutely. (laughs) It's like, it's like, yeah, I've gone, I've, I've been up 40 plus hours and not having, having maybe eaten once during that time. No, I do. I could not handle residency. I definitely couldn't either. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, residency is scary, and I feel like there's a bunch of fields this could be applied to. For sure. Um, I think cop service one of the things that uh, come leaps to my mind. Mm-hmm. What um, is it? Cops, uh, police officers. Are you not understanding what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying perfectly well. Uh, maybe in terms of another emergency service, like ambulance folks. Cops barely have, are required any training. I'm not talking about the training, I'm talking about the, it takes up a large portion of your life. Oh. Are you sure? I mean, it seems like it on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. (laughs) Nine-Nine! Okay, that show is fucking hilarious. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So good. I just, I will kindly disagree with you. Okay. On this one. All right. But you were saying in terms of other emergencies. Like I was bringing up uh, paramedics. For sure, paramedics. Like especially because a lot of the, especially like volunteer paramedics who work a a day job and then (laughs) do that for for a night or uh, firefighters. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I especially, especially from like the few firefighters, I know that's another thing where it's a thing that can cause stress. Like not just even the work commitment of you have an emotional bond to the people you are working with that is separate from your emotional bonds to a partner. Yeah. And I think it's a thing that didn't exactly get talked about as much, but like with the work spouse thing where there is someone outside of your romantic partner who is also just as, I mean, differently important to you, let's say. And some things, especially in things related to that, that field, maybe that's the person I go to first before a, romantic partner, especially if it's a thing that I have to explain the technique, where I then have to spend 10 minutes explaining the context around it. For sure. Yeah, I can easily imagine that. I mean, even in like, I mean, I feel like 
part of the reason why, I mean, I'm not saying it's the entire reason, but I think part of the reason why we're such good friends is that while I'm not in the military, I've been military adjacent my whole life. So, like, I understand a lot of the culture, a lot of the terms, and think that's part of the reason why, like, you're able to, like, tell me stories. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get this. Yes. And here I thought it was because of my DM ability. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if we're being really honest, that is the primary reason. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I gave you your uh, Kraken character, even though you didn't use most of the abilities. That was on you, G. (laughs) Uh, I feel like grad school can be very time-consuming, but I'm not on call. Although there are some grad students that basically make it that they're on call, or they work way too many hours, and I find that I'm pretty good at a work-life balance there, so mm-hmm. I'm like, but I will say that, like, I know that my dissertation is going to become, like, my baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that's not the same relationship as a dom, but a baby is still a very demanding thing. <laughs> I mean, are you saying that your dissertation is going to be a very needy, dependent sub? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm just going to have to slap it around, you know? Spent no, a lot of time molding it. Molding. Crafting, nurturing. Nurturing. Exactly. But what happens if your uh, dissertation gets out of line or out of margin? Okay, <laughs> you would. On that note. (laughs) Is that the note we're going to end on? That's fair. I think so. So if you found this episode interesting, if you'd like, or if you feel like this might be helpful for somebody who has a partner who's in a difficult field like the military or a doctor, you know, this might be helpful for them. Please share this episode with them and, you know, with your friends and your frenemies, uh, you know, anybody you think would be interested in this. Also, consider donating to us. Uh, the link is at the bottom of the show notes. And with that, this is M. This is G. This is K. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KMP Podcast. You can find us at knppodcast.tumblr.com, or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. Uh, although that really does also go to go to the point about animes and uh, general Japanese media. You've got like presidents, prime ministers, military dictators, the gods themselves. And above them, the student body council of of a Japanese high school. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, that's so true. It's a really weird trope. (laughs) It is, it is. Uh, You know, I'm thinking about this stinger. Please do not have me saying that I am killing high school (laughs) students as the fucking stinger. I, I don't know. I feel like I have to at this point. I just, I do not want coppers coming after me. You don't want coppers coming after I you? Don't. Are we, are we in, are we in Victorian London? Or, I mean, it's still, I think it's still a somewhat modern English slang term. I guess so. Is it legal for me to say that? Yes, <laughs> Yes. I don't, I'm nervous. Yes, it is. You can say whatever you want. As long as it does not endanger other people's lives. 
what if somebody is listening and they feel like I am a murderer? <laughs> that would be a really weird thing for them to think. Well, you keep accusing me of it. <laughs> Okay, so, dear audience folks, <laughs> if you're wondering why I keep on accusing M of of playing these games of, of of murdering high school students, it's because I am being facetious and sarcastic, and I like to tease M. Okay, thanks for that clarification. <laughs>